In this episode of the podcast, I brought on Aaron Albert, who is the founder and CEO of the new emotional wellness app, Mind. Such an unorthodox and incredible journey that he's had to get to this point where he became the founder of an app. In this podcast, we talk about the journey as creator, entrepreneur, what it takes, what it takes, what skills are needed, what sacrifices are needed. And even we took note of the bravery that it took. And then at the end, he told a hilarious story about how I got partnered with the app from the very beginning to become one of the founding members. Now, I'll tell you quickly, when I worked in corporate America, one of the things that really disturbed me was, you know, just not being able to input the culture, input on the team, input on, you know, people's morale. It was, we just had to follow orders, essentially. We had to follow uh, what was given to us. We had to run meetings the way that corporate, you know, the, the, the people sitting who weren't even in our offices, they, we had to follow their structure. And I just don't think organizations should be ran that way. I just don't think teams and structures and relationships um, should be ran that way. Like I, I thoroughly believe in adjusting to everybody and to everybody's needs and to, you know, I think about like that football coach who gets a really good talent at quarterback, but he doesn't adjust his playbook. He just calls the same plays he's always called because they worked in the past. And then all of a sudden we're like, well, that quarterback failed. The quarterback sucks. And that's not necessarily true. Actually, the system failed him. His leadership failed him. I think that adaptable leadership is super important. You I mean, you think about it as a parent. Can you always be the same time with your kids? Think about it as you enter your relationship. Can you always be the same person when you enter relationship? Maybe not. Like we all change. We all adapt. And so I feel like the environments we work in should adapt because needs change, desires change. Uh, and so I'm personally grateful to work for a company that, you know, it's a new company. We've only been here for about two years, mind, um, but we're adaptable and we're growing and the leadership is adaptable and it's, and it's, it's a leadership that they're interested in people's mental health. I mean, we're a mental health company, so it's, it's good to see that. So without any further ado, uh, I'm excited to present to you this conversation with Aaron Albert, and I hope you continue to free your enemy. Quick background on me is I have a very unconventional route to get here, and I like that. I, I, I think um, I, I'm, a, I'm an underdog guy. I've always been an underdog guy, and I think part of that has been because and whatever my own belief system about myself has been is that I've been in that position often, you know, and uh, whether that's internal or external, we could we could dive deep and debate the merits of. But anyways, born and raised in L.A., um, was a child actor. So I was on the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon and, and did musical theater. And then I went to college for musical theater. Um, and then you know, post-college, like as all my friends were starting to pound the pavement and get excited about doing things like getting an agent and going to auditions, I was like, man, like I've done this. I did this for a long time. I'm tired. I, this is not exciting to me. And I always had people tell me, they were like, if you, if you don't a hundred percent need to eat, breathe, sleep, dream, live acting, do something else for the love of God, do something else. <laughs> I never understood what that meant, but I was like, okay, maybe I could do something else. And so what I ended up doing was um, 
getting into health and wellness. I had an autoimmune disease since I was, I don't know, nine years old. And so it was always something that was important to me. And I got in right at the beginning of the brick and mortar boutique fitness boom. And I, you know, started as a spin instructor and, you know, climbed the ranks in New York City. And then from there, you know, I, I, I expanded. I started consulting for other companies and doing some digital consumer tech. And, and one thing led to another. And, and here we are at Mind, you know, so weird, weird background. What you were asking about was like, how do you figure out where to, um, you know, where to spend your time? I think that the answer is that I'm still figuring that out in a lot of ways. But, you know, one of the things I've had to reconcile with is something that I just heard this expression is a really, really interesting expression. It's called productivity dysmorphia. You heard this? Mm, I've never heard that term. Okay. I thought this was so, I, I, I this was like, I heard this and I, this so deeply resonated with me because when I was a kid, because I was so out of control and like, I was so, like, I was a creative and. I never wanted to do homework and I never wanted to study and I never wanted to do like the stuff that felt like really tedious and that I couldn't really see like a, a, a clear reason why I was doing it. Like I didn't really see like, okay, where is going to be the inherent value that I can actually pinpoint uh, from doing this? And what it turned into was me believing about myself that because I wasn't a good student, it meant that I, you know, wasn't smart or that I was lazy. And that has stuck with me for a lot of my adult life, which is that no matter how much work I'm doing, no matter how jam packed my day is, I still feel like I'm not doing enough. And it's this phenomenon called productivity dysmorphia. You know, look, you, you, you got to do the stuff you don't want to do. That's the, that, that's what I've learned in the last I don't know, five years. Of course, you know, I want to do the big stuff and I want to dream and I want to paint with big colors and big brushes. But you also learn that there's a lot of lesson and learning in the tedium. And what I mean by that is like, you know, we were just raising money. One of the things that is super tedious is like looking at investors and who invested in what and, you know, what their contact info is and putting them into a spreadsheet and, you know, figuring out like what the round check size is and all that shit sounds really tedious. Right. And I think there, there was a moment where I was like, oh, maybe I could just outsource some of this research. But in doing it, you realize that you start to pick up on patterns. You start to learn how to pattern sort. So all of a sudden I went from knowing nothing about, you know, the investors that I was looking at to now, like I'm a Rolodex of investors. I know Every consumer fund, I know what their average check size is. I know what they're looking for. I know if they're going to be a good fit. And now I can even look at investors that I don't know and very quickly pattern sort into, is this going to be a waste of my time or are they somebody who's going to understand what we're doing? So it was only because I was willing to do the tedious shit that I was able to develop that skill set. There's a lot of people who have ideas. They're like, man, I want to... I want to do this business. I want to create this. I want to create that. You know, a lot of people want to get in total alignment, you know, like mind, body, and soul. They want to be in jobs that feel good. They want to, a lot of people want to, especially the people listening to this podcast, they want to feel like their work matters, like what they're doing means something, you know? And so 
walk me through just the beginning, if you can remember those stages, just the beginning stages of, okay, I have this idea. I have this great idea. How do I get it going? How do I, how do I get it started? Talk to me about the very beginning, even, even if it's just the failures, that's fine too. But just talk to me about the very beginning of, okay, I have this idea. I want to get it in motion. What was that? What was that territory like for you? To tell you at the beginning, I'd have to take you really far back um, to, you know, when I was in fourth or fifth grade, maybe even earlier than that. And when I was growing up and in elementary school, gag gifts were really big. Do you remember uh, like like whoopee cushions and oh, yeah. spray and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and like shock pens? Okay. These were like really big when I was in elementary school. And I remember all of my friends like loving these things. And so I made my dad take me to this like tchotchkes store that sold these gag gifts. And I made a deal with my dad and I said, hey, I, I want to sell these to my friends. And my dad said, well, listen, I'll, I'll make you a deal. Um, I'll put up the money and buy them because you're 10 and have no money. So, um, <laughs> but you split the profits with me 50, 50. That was my first foray into entrepreneurship. So here I go marching back to school and I'm selling, you know, out of my, my trench coat, um, you know, like, like fart, fart spray and shock pens. Okay. So, you know, that, that was my first kind of, oh, wow. Like this is fun to be able to come up with a, a an idea and, and actually execute on it. I mean, for mind, mind was interesting because I had gone through this massive breakup. This this woman just absolutely broke my heart, just totally crushed me. And it was my first real heartbreak. And I realized that I just did not have any of the tools. You know, I I, I was like, oh my gosh, like I um I I thought I was a really good communicator. Um, I'm not, you know, or I wasn't, I, I thought I understood how to like be in partnership with someone I wasn't. And so was very challenged. And so I started to see that there was this big issue and I got sent a video by Mark Groves, who's now, you know, my co-founder at mind. And I didn't know him at the time, but like, I just, I was like, holy shit, this guy is you know, I see a lot of myself in him and, and he is so effusive and he makes this whole process of searching for meaning entertaining. And I started to think like, why, why did this not exist in like one central place? Why did I have to do so much work to find this? And then it was on Instagram and Instagram didn't feel like the right place for this at all. A year went by from the time that Mark and I first spoke to when I reached out to him again. And, and in that year, I was consulting for these different mindfulness and meditation companies. That was super hot at the time. And I, the thing I kept connecting to about all of these companies were when the teachers and the meditation teachers would give their, I'm going to, I forget the, the, uh, what is the name in meditation where they give the, like the lesson? Um, oh, I can't remember. There's a name for it, but in meditation, there's this word for, mantra? it's not mantra. 
It's not mantra. It's like Shavasana, but it's like not, it's not that. Um, but it, anyways, my point being like the thing I connected to even more than the meditation was like when they would give you the teaching, like when they would explain to you, like how the mind worked and, and thinking about your mind in this way and impermanence and all these different skills. And what that turned into was me being like, this is, this is what I want to, like, this is what I want to give people. I want to give people this, this information, this advice, this, this, this emotional, you, you know, wellness content. And that's sort of how it all started. It was just an idea. And, and then I reached out to Mark and I said, Hey man, I've been working on this thing. Um, you know, I had done, I had sort of made a deck so I could show Mark and, uh, you know, I called Mark up and, um, at the time I was actually working with, uh, a, another woman, um, on, on the project and, um, she ended up not wanting to do it in the end. Um, but you know, we, we sat down with Mark and we presented the deck and, um, and the rest is kind of history. I mean, that, that's sort of the, the, the beginning of it. There's something really juicy in there and I want to go back. So you told the story and this is why I'm the author. This is why I'm the storyteller here. Cause I get to dissect stories. So you told the story that you had idea and then you sat down with Mark, but what we need to know is about how did you get Mark to sit down with you? What was mm. it like to reach out to him? Like, yeah. what was the process going through your head? Did you have doubt? Did you have fear? Walk me through that part of how you even went about presenting him the the idea of, hey, sit down with me and talk with me. Yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good question. Um, so, you know, the the story here is that I, I watched all of Mark's videos and then I reached out to Mark via email. And at the time, he was still seeing people one-on-one. And so we connected. <clears throat> and my gift, I think like, you know, we all have our gifts and my gift in life is my ability to connect. Okay. You put anybody in the room with me and, and, and I'll figure it out. Um, I just love people. I love understanding people. I love figuring out, you know, how to get a laugh out of somebody or, um, you know, how, how to make them feel emotional. Like, so again, I'll back up to school for a minute. And I know I'm not giving you the, the, I'm not giving you the most succinct answers here, but there's a reason why, which is in school, I always used to befriend my teachers and I used to befriend my teachers because I didn't want to do the work. And, um, I, I thought, you know, if me and my teachers are homies, um, then they'll, you know, they'll, they'll sort of let me off. They'll, 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 they'll give me a pass. Um, and that was my thing. So I knew that I was, I was always been very good at creating a friendship with almost everybody, whether it's my doctor or a teacher or my friend. And so with Mark, we very quickly in like the first coaching session, um, I did that same thing with him where, you know, I sort of like, I, I, I made sure that underneath the, the relationship, I was like, no, 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 we're going to be friends. You know, like you think that you're just coaching me, but we're actually going to be friends. And so I had built, even in just two sessions, which is all Mark and I did, I had built this really deep sort of rapport with him. Um, it turns out I had a teacher in college who, after many years of having this teacher, I one day said, hey, what's your story? Why won't you be my friend? And he said, you know, I've seen you for the last year. Try to be my friend. And he said, I'm going to tell you something. 
the only person that hurts is you. And I was like, okay, like, tell me more. Damn, that's harsh. And he said, if we're friends, this guy read me like a book. He said, if we're friends, I'm going to be easier on you. I'm going to let you slide. You're not going to do as good of work. And that doesn't affect me. That affects you. So we're not going to be friends. Until you graduate, we're not friends. <laughs> and I, I really took that. I, I've really, that's something that's really stuck with me all these years. But anyways, no, I was not afraid to reach out to Mark. Um, I, that's another thing. I, you know, I, I, I put myself out there. Um, and that's easier said than done. Um, I, I don't do it everywhere. But, you know, with this, I was not afraid. I reached out and I said, hey, man, like, you know, let's, let's sit down and chat. And I had no idea what his response was going to be. You know, I thought it was a total shot in the dark. Um, but yeah, but we're, we're, we're here. Okay. So <laughs> there's what needed, needs to be noted in that story is the bravery really is what it was. It's courage. You were brave. You put yourself out there. You took a risk. And that risk is obviously paying off because you're you're seeing your dream come true. You're seeing your baby uh, be created. So walk us through the next steps. I'm just so curious, just as a founder, as an investor, as a uh, entrepreneur, how you know how the, obviously I'm an entrepreneur in different light, but I'm just curious, like you know, the mindset that goes behind it, and that's what so many people are after. Is you know we want to know how. So. Share with us those next steps after you you make the pitch and you get his buy-in. You know, how do you get the company started from there? Yeah, man. I mean, look, the first thing I'll say is I think we have a lot of mutual respect for each other. And I, I, I think it's important that at some point we tell the story of of our of our journey with each other and how and how you got on board. But what I'll say is to preface this entire thing is that we all make sacrifices for what we want to pursue in life. And some of us, you know, say, I want safety and they sacrifice excitement and unknown and spontaneity. Um, some people say, I want more time and there's an opportunity cost, right? Like everything's got opportunity costs and, and being an entrepreneur, um, there is no certainty. There is no safety. There is, um, it is the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, and it's also the most rewarding. Um, but you know, to, to go back to the story, um, Mark and I decide we're going to do it and we start meeting, we start meeting like every week we're meeting, we're talking about what it could be and what it should look like and, 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 and what's the business going to be like. And then Mark flew out to, uh, to New York and we spent a week together in a WeWork with a whiteboard, um, a couple developers that we were working with. And we basically ran through this whole sort of scoping of like, what would the first version of mind be? Um, you, you know, the one that we could throw together and put out there and just try and see if it worked. What could it be? And that was sort of the next step. And, um, you know, from there, 
it was okay. We're going to build this thing. We 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 started to go. All right, we're going to build this thing. The question is always like, well, where's the money? You know, where are you going to get the money to build this? And and that that you know, for anybody who's an entrepreneur who doesn't come from you know a super wealthy family that can back you know their projects initially you know money is is very tough um when you're building a business it's a constant source especially as the ceo you're constantly going like how are we going to keep the lights on how are we going to stay afloat um and so you know i was very fortunate that mark believed in this so much that you know mark and myself but really mostly mark funded the business for the first you know however many months um and that was a huge signal to me that i had found a partner that was really willing to put their not only name on the line but to really put their blood sweat and tears on the line um to go at it with me i mean the journey's very long from there but those are sort of the beginning stages of it and i i think if there's you know if there's a lesson for entrepreneurs you know rarely do businesses fail um because of competition or because people can't raise money if they've got a, a an idea and they're dug in and they're executing and they're working for it um you know someone will believe in you now the idea it's got to be a good idea and you got to be able to execute um but if you work hard enough you will get to a point where you go i am good at this i have the skills to do this now or or you will not or you won't get there right um but that's sort of what the beginning of the journey was like and and it was it was tough we had to figure out like how are we going to convince 10 5 even other mental health emotional wellness experts creators coaches in the space to take this risk in the same way that Mark did and so what was that like because that's where you start you know you start building out your team you start getting talent you start searching for people that you feel like would be in alignment with you know with the app with the project with the business and it's like uh, I'm sure there was a bunch of people that you said, okay, kind of, maybe, no. And then there was probably some people you're like, oh, hell yeah, we need that person. So what what are some of the qualities that, you know, just from like a, a team building and like community standpoint, what were some of the personal qualities that you were looking for? Yeah. I mean, look, I think our whole thesis was we can't build another doctor's office like this can't feel like people going to the doctor um my whole viewpoint right on mental health emotional wellness and 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 I want to specify because I sort of use those as two parts um you know of a continuum which is like you know on the left hand side you have like mental health which is anything that's clinical right depression anxiety bipolar you know any anything that is is clinically diagnosable and treatable and and needs you know oftentimes clinical support and then you've got sort of on the other side you've got emotional wellness and every everybody has that right it's 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 us trying to figure out how to function in life how to be better communicators better lovers better partners you know 
what is our relationship to our career or money, right? We all deal with, with emotions on a daily basis. And, and how, do we, how do we really give people the tools for that? And my whole thing was like, look, you know, people realize, I think they understand logically the value in needing to care for your emotions. But I think it's really hard for people to prioritize because when there's stuff like Netflix and YouTube that are so much easier and just mellow you out and there's no work you have to do, it's just kind of mindless and entertaining and takes the stress off. I think it can be really hard to make a case to yourself, despite knowing how important it is, that you got to do you got to do some work today. And so I think our whole thing was, how do we break the rules? How do we make this not feel like so much work and instead make it feel like a, a place that's collaborative and communal and engaging and, and that there's a fire there and that these conversations are deep, um, but also fun, even when they're shitty and hard to hear, that knowing that you're doing it with other people, knowing that there's energy behind it, that there's somebody passionate speaking about it. That, that, that it feels different. It doesn't feel like going to a doctor's office. And so, you know, that was the big, that was the big thing for us. And we wanted to find people who fit that bill, who were, you know, not only great teachers, who not only had built a really amazing personal brand, um, but could engage, could get people excited about taking care of their emotional health. Um, and, 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 and I really am proud to say that I think we did that. I noticed you shouted out your mom on your Instagram. I think it was her birthday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got to shout out mom. Not, every, not everybody does that, you know, and then in the story you're telling us, you, you had a story with your, your dad, uh, you know, him becoming an entrepreneur partner with you and an investor in you essentially when you were younger, Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. role has, uh, your parents played in your life? Um, what are some of the things that they taught you and instilled in you that you're so grateful for and that you're, you're proud of? Um, yeah, I mean, listen, my parents both have given me incredible gifts. Um, my mom is like the most loving, kind, wants everybody to have a good time, um, would do absolutely anything for her kids, is like a friend you can count on. Um, and, I, you know, that's been a big part of my life is wanting to surround myself with great people and wanting to feel like I was in community. And I got so much of that from her. And my dad has, in his own right, been a risk taker. You know, he grew up in L.A. He thought he was going to go into his parents' family business. His parents had a furniture business. And that ended up not being possible. And so here he was with a wife and a newborn baby and had to go, what am I going to do? And my dad became an investment banker, which, you know, is so funny because he's just like, he just said, I'm going to, you know what, this looks like something I could do. And he figured it out. And that is so inherent in my personality, which is 
there's very few things that I look at and say, I don't think I could do that. Um, and that's not to say that I think I'm the smartest guy because we already know I got a lot of shit from childhood, which, which, which causes me to not think that. But what I do think is what I tell our team, which is, you know, when people say, I, I, I don't know if I can do this or I'm having imposter syndrome, we all get that. But the truth is you don't know shit until you know shit. And my dad went out and said, I don't know shit about this until he did. And, and, and then he built this amazing career for himself. And so, you know, between my dad's drive and just ability to go, I see this and I'm going to do it and not have any hesitation about it. And my mom's just kind of unwavering love and belief in me and her willingness to let me try anything. I tried a lot of stuff. I just got asked the other day, I know I'm jumping all around here, but I just got asked the other day, what's the worst piece of advice that you ever received? And the worst piece of advice I ever received was don't be a quitter. And I know that sounds weird, but my mom let me try and quit, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes for the people at home, so much that it let me figure out what I actually was passionate about. because. To say, don't be a quitter, um, and then for a kid to feel like, well, if I try this, I'm going to have to commit to this for a year, five years, 10 years. Maybe this becomes my whole life, and it's not even something they really are passionate about. What kind of message does that send? So th th those are some of the things my parents uh, you know, really in instilled in me and gave me. When we're younger, we always hear the advice, follow your heart, follow your dreams, follow your passion. And I have always pushed back against that, but I've also always accepted it because I feel like that conversation needs a little more imagery. I feel like, for example, I love playing basketball. I'm also 5'9". So <laughs> I know that there are some limitations Same. there. <laughs> you know, um, so what's, what's that balance like for you uh, if you were to advise, you know, people who are in this space of looking for alignment with their career and life, you know, how much of it is follow your dreams? How much of it is follow your passion? How much of it is, you know, follow your skill set and what you're good at? How much of it is like, what's, what's that kind of like ratio for you? You know, there are arguments to be made historically about this what I'm about to say, but for me, it comes down to self-awareness. A hundred percent, it comes down to self-awareness. I look at people like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk, and I think like, man, like, I don't know how, you know, in touch and self-aware they are. And they've built these unbelievably huge companies. So there's certainly an argument to be made against self-awareness and saying, actually, there's some merit to being so unself-aware that you end up just building this unbelievable thing because you didn't even think it was possible to be stopped. But I think if you are not somebody like that, <laughs> and if you are, you know, go for it. But if you're not somebody like that, I think it comes down to going like, what is within my immediate skill set? Um, and, and what is within my capability to go beyond that? 
And I think if you have that sort of self-awareness, then you can start to figure out, okay, this feels really far away. This feels like a really, really far leap for me um, as far as a dream goes. So I better be really fucking committed to working hard to get there. And then there are things that are closer, which are like, hey, maybe this isn't a dream, but this fits within the first, you know, two concentric circles of my capabilities. And so, you know, this is what I'm going to go for. I think it becomes a question of how much do you want to risk? How much do you want to work? Um, you know, what are the things that you value? Because if you want to go after your dreams, like we said at the beginning, there's opportunity cost, right? If you want to go after your dreams and your dreams are really far away, well, you know, does that mean you lack stability? Does it mean that, you know, you want to be an agent and so you got to be, you know, an assistant at a, on a desk at CAA, which I've heard can be totally brutal. And, you, you know, yes, you have stability, but it's like, it sucks, you know, some, for some people, like they're getting coffee and donut, right? So like, it's just, to me, it, I don't think there's a one size fits all answer. I think you have to look and go, what am I willing to risk? What is the opportunity cost? To, to doing this and am I willing to am I willing to take that 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 leap when it comes to leadership you're in a position of leadership you created a company you have several different teams uh, you know your executive leaderboard there you have a, a part of the company where you're working with creative individuals then you have a part where you're working with engineers and people who are helping design your app and then like you're dealing with investors and lawyers. And so everybody talks a different language. All those different people talk a different language. So how do you find yourself managing the role of this new leadership position, especially when it comes to learning the language that everybody talks? Because when you talk to a therapist, they may have a completely different way of talking and a completely different value system than the lawyers, than the investors. And, and so how do you manage and navigate that, that territory? Great question. Um, and it's taken me a long time to figure that out, right? Um, and there are days where I don't speak the right language. You know, there, there are plenty of days where I don't speak the right language. But I think this goes back to sort of what I was saying is, is what I think is my inherent gift, which is my ability to read and connect with people, right? And I think a lot of that language speaking is me very quickly going, okay, how, does, how is this person wanting to communicate and be communicated with and me very quickly being able to, you know, adapt or, um, you know, I don't want to say cater to it because I'm not, but, but I think there's, there's a level of going like, Hey, look, I'll give you a great example. Okay. When you are kissing somebody for the first time, you're taking cues off of that person or even before you kiss them, right? You're, 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 you're taking cues. You're going, how, how am I reading this? What's their body language like? What's their voice doing? You know, how are they moving their eyes? I think there's something similar there. You're two people who are in communication and for you to just go in and have no regard for 
what the other person is doing is just bad social skills, right? So I think for me, it just comes down to going like, hey, I want to make everybody feel comfortable. Um, and and so it's me taking a, a, a quick pause and going, what do I feel like this person's asking for? And, and, and not obviously asking for advertently, but inadvertently, what are they asking for? Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, I think you get to a place of confidence where you go, there's no way I could have bamboozled all these different kinds of people as not me. Okay, because I think you think that initially, right? You're like, man, if only they knew who I really was. You know, I think there was, the, and that's that imposter syndrome, right? That's that imposter syndrome of not feeling good enough or smart enough or worthy enough, which I struggle with every day. And I got to believe so does Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, watching him sit and testify in front of Congress, there's no way the guy didn't go, how the fuck did I get here? You know, <laughs> like there's just, there's no way. So, you know, for me, it's, 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 it's two things. It's about reading people. And then it's about having enough confidence, confidence in yourself to go, yes, I am going to adapt in the ways I need to, to make people feel comfortable, but I'm not going to sacrifice who I am and what I stand for. Because if people don't like that, um, they're not going to stick around for a long time because there's no way for me to hide that from this person and then be somebody totally different to this person. So, you know, it's a through line that you just slightly adapt here and there. Um, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So let's talk about mind. Uh, there's probably at least one person listening to the podcast who's never heard of the, the app mind. Can you tell us like, what is the app? What is it? What does it do? Who does it serve? How do people get it? Can you tell us how, how, you know, how a brand new person, if this is their very first time interacting with the, the idea of downloading mind, what would you tell them? Yeah, I'm going to tell you that. And then I, I want to tell everybody this, the, the story of Sylvester McNutt the third, the elusive, <laughs> the hard to get. Feel free. Okay. Feel free. Um, yeah. I mean, to me, you know, what, what mind is, is it's, you know, we call it the world's first emotional network. And the idea is, is that folks are consuming so much um, on social media and uh, in places that just are really unhealthy. When we look at the data, um, you, you know, we see that after one use of Facebook, um, you're, you know, people reported 63% uh, unhappiness, right? I mean, that, that's, that's a huge number. And so we wanted to say, hey, how can we take the best parts of the way that people are consuming, short form, entertaining, feel social, people that, you know, you, you know, love and can connect with? And how do we put that in a place that is dedicated 100% to your emotional well-being? And that's what Mind is. You know, it is a, an app. We have top experts in the emotional health space, folks like Sly, um, you know, Vienna Farron, Dr. Alexander Solomon, who are leading these daily live and on-demand video sessions where you're able to come in in this one-to-many setting, not be afraid that you're going to have to show your face or expose you know, your deepest, darkest secrets if you don't want to. It's so easy. It's so frictionless. And that there is this huge welcoming community that's there to not only support you, but to celebrate you. Um, and, and, and that's, 
the beauty of mine. And this is really only just the beginning. I mean, we are just scratching the the early, early days surface of what we want to do and where we want to go. But we really want to make sure that people feel like, hey, if I've got a question or I'm going through something or I don't know how to navigate this, that there is a companion with three clicks of their iPhone or Android um, that's there for them. And so that's what Mind is. And it's available on the App Store and Android Store. Um, you can go to uh, doyoumind.com or in Sly's case, I believe it's what is what is what is your I forget your website. I think it's uh, Sylvester doyoumind.com, but we're gonna have to get back to we might have to edit this part out. Um, I, I, I don't I forget what the, 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 the link is, but I'm sure Sly will post it in the show notes. Um, and you can come and see Sly live twice a week. You can interact with him. It's much more intimate, no trolls. Um, and yeah, that's how I that's how I describe it. Beautiful, man. I love it. I love being uh, part of the team and being one of the founding members. And so I, I hear that there's a story <laughs> you want to share about how that process went down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, man, you're, you know, you, you did. You played hard to get for a while. Uh, we, you know, in, in the spirit of unknown and reaching out and not knowing if things were going to work out, Sly was our hardest, uh, our hardest nut to crack, if you will. Um, <laughs> which was not meant to be a pun or a play on Sylvester. That's a good joke. That is a great joke right there. I like it. <laughs> but, uh, but alas, um, yeah, we reached out to Sly and we had this whole thing and, you know, we, we, we did this big pitch and Sly was like, you know, it was, again, to reiterate, we did this backwards. Most companies launch a product and then go out and, you know, go to people like Sylvester and Vienna and, you know, and Jen and say, Hey, look, we have this great product. Do you want to be on it? But we did it sort of the opposite way, which is, Hey, we have nothing. Will you trust us really trust Mark, um, you know, to, to build something that's, that's going to be awesome. And, you know, you were, you were busy, man. You, you had a lot of stuff going on. And so you said, look, this sounds cool. Um, but you know, I just can't, I don't have the bandwidth right now. And we respected that. We said, look, you know, this guy's got good boundaries. <laughs> hopefully he'll hopefully he'll teach boundaries on the app one day. And so then we brought on Sherry Salata, who was the executive producer of the Oprah Winfrey show, president of the own network. I mean, this is a epic woman. And we rolled out the red carpet for Mr. Sylvester here. Okay. I remember we it. had I, I, PowerPoints. Yeah. We had PDFs. We had music. We brought in dancers. We had champagne. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> and that's what it felt like, though. That's what it felt like. Okay. Yeah. And again, you know, I wish people could see me do this, but it was like at the end of Superstar where you do the presentation and her arms are up in the air with the like, you know, light from the stage beaming down. She's like, you know, like, like panting because she's just, she's performed so hard. Right. Like hopefully you guys right. can visualize this. And Sly was like, cool. 
And I was like, all right, well, let us know. <laughs> and I remember, you know, being like, man, that he's a man of man of few words on that call. And I remember you emailed us back and you were like, I'm about to have a baby. Um, you know, I'm about to be a new dad. I really want to do this, but it's still just like not totally the right time. You were like, let me have a kid and figure my bearings out and figure it all out. And I'll get back to you. And then, uh, you know, a couple months later, we were like about to launch. And Mark sent me a screenshot. And it was just Sly texting him, all right, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) And Mark knew exactly what it was. And we got Sly on the phone. And um, true to his word, he said, look, I I had my kid. I, I, you know, do I have it figured out? Not exactly, but I'm working on it. But I'm, de- I'm definitely in a good enough spot to do this, and uh, and the rest is history. It's been it's been amazing. You've been one of the most collaborative, imaginative, you know, just always game team players I could ever have asked for. Um, you know, you are an entrepreneur in your own right, and 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 bringing that to the table um with you know our joint venture has been a real gift so you know publicly on your podcast i just want you to know how grateful mark and i are that um you know we we did the whole vegas show for you and that you finally did acquiesce and say yes man man i appreciate it and the story 100% accurate. That's exactly how it happened. I will, I, I think it would be great for the people who are wondering like, well, what was going through my mind? I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Yeah, please. Um, <clears throat> so I was at a point in my life where I was completely overwhelmed with ev- like everything, personal, fitness, spiritual, uh, money, uh, everything, you know, and it was right before my my baby boy was about to be born. So I had all, you, you know, you brought up imposter syndrome. I had imposter syndrome when it came to everything. But the only thing I was certain of is being an author that, cause I had been doing that for a couple of years. So I was pretty confident in that, but everything else in life, I was not confident, you know, because it's like the idea of me having a kid is not something I ever even was going to thought that was going to happen. Honestly, I really thought I was going to be one of those guys that would just become rich, you know, have boats, <laughs> have houses on each coast and never hey have Hey, man, kids. that could I, still be you. The kid doesn't change you know, that. I really thought that that was my path. And then it's like, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm about to have a kid. Like, wait a minute, what? So the undertaking that you guys were asking me to do, I felt like was like a really big commitment. And I'm not the type of person, I don't like doing things if I can't put myself into it, you know? If I can't really put myself all the way into it, you know? And I didn't want to say yes and then have to back out a few months later because of the overwhelm, because of the pressure and stress and the things I was dealing with. And so I knew that at that time in my life, uh, hell, I even took like six months off from my podcast at that time. I knew that at that time in my life, what I needed most was not to say yes to anything, to really just respect my boundaries and just really get back to, which is, 
interesting because I'm I'm now redoing that again. I don't have the same emotions I had then, but I am doing the, the same process, which is figuring out like, what do I want? Where do I want to spend my time? Who do I want to be? Like just, uh, they call it the liminal space. When you're in transition, it's a liminal space. And so I just recognized that that transition I, in, I was in was just, it was so much bigger than me, you know, and I just didn't have the capacity to really understand. And I didn't really have like the elders, like I didn't have like older people who had been through what I was going through um, to really be there for me, you know? And so I knew the best thing for me was just to say no, not to say no, to say, yes, I want to do it and to say, yes, I'm excited, but I need some time and I need some grace. And you guys were like, it was funny because you both were like, okay, we'll give you the grace, but you need to be doing, you need to do this. Like you need to say yes. Like you did. That wasn't, that's not what you said, but that's what your energy said. You and Mark, both of your energies was like, you need to do this, you know? And so I was grateful for that because we all want to be wanted. You know, we all want to be needed. And so to be wanted like that. And then when you, you brought Sherry and Sherry came in and she, Sherry was also on the podcast here too. And she comes in and she's like, yeah, you know, I ran the Oprah show for 20 years, you know, executive. She just brings out her resume. <laughs> and as I'm on the call, I'm like, how am I going to say no to this? Like, you brought Sherry Salada to the meeting? I can't say no to Sherry Salada. And I just didn't know what to say. That's why when you're like, okay, cool. That's why, because I was just keeping it to myself. I'm like, uh, all right. You know, but I knew my, my boundaries still weren't ready to come to come down. And so if anybody's listening, I think that there's two lessons. I think one, you definitely need to say yes and take opportunity when opportunity comes. But I think two, also, you have to be, you know, self-awareness. You have to be honest about where you are and your, your energy and your capabilities. Um, because the worst thing that could have happened is I would have said yes at the beginning and then gave you a half-assed version of me, gave you a low energy version of me, gave you the version of me where I have to skip out on, you know, the meetings and the calls and the parts that, that is about building community. Because in our, in, in our company, we have a lot of meetings and we have a lot of calls and it's, it's all about building. It's all about communication. There's a lot of back and forth. That's essential to building a company, to building community. And I just knew like energetically, I needed a little bit of time. So I guess I, I guess I owe you a big thank you for giving me that grace and letting me, you know, figure out what I needed. And personally, man, I'm excited about the app. I tell everybody about the app when I come across them. I'm like, man, you got to get this app. And I'm just excited about it because it's like, you know, I went on Instagram Live the other day and it's it feels icky to me at this point because I've been going live on mine for about a full year now. I think we launched, what, September 7th last year? September 14th. September 14th. So it's a, we're about one year in. Yeah. So Aaron, as CEO, you need to throw us a pizza party here. Okay. And some, <laughs> some hey, man, we, I, we're, we're taking a mental, a collective mental health week. Nobody even responded to that in the email. There was no, no excitement really? even. Oh, I didn't get that email. Maybe that's <laughs> yeah, why. No, I, I, sent, I sent our one year anniversary email. I said, by the way, we're taking a company wide mental health week. And uh, <laughs> I got no love. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, let me get in the email and make sure I respond to you. And uh, you know what, man? It's just exciting to be around. This company's been around for one full year uh, that the people have known about, obviously, for about two or three years, you know, in the underground building. And uh, it's exciting, man. I, I'm excited about where we are in the present. 
I'm excited about the creators who are on there and the different perspectives we have. That's one thing that I really like is that we have a lot of different perspectives. It's not just the white male perspective, you know, it's the white straight male perspective is every perspective is uh, represented. And I think that's super important because that's what society is. That's what culture is, is it's a lot of different perspectives. And I'm I'm very grateful um, for you and Mark as co-founders to recognize just some of the some of the things that you guys bring to the company is you bring empathy, you know, you bring a lot of openness. Like when we have our meetings with Mark, he's very open to get feedback, to understand everybody's position. That's something that I personally dealt with when I was working in corporate America is, you know, I would have these ideas. Not only was I executing on the ideas that they gave us and doing very, very well, but I'm like, look, if we did this, we'll make more money. If we do this, we'll have a better customer experience. If we do this, but they always got shut down. And one of the, I remember leaving my job and I remember saying to myself, like, man, I need to work with people who are at least open. Like, I don't need everything I'm doing considered or implemented or integrated. But if I raise my hand, at least consider it, at least note it, at least put it on the bulletin board. Even if the idea sucks, just say, you know what? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. But I considered it. At least acknowledge it, you know? And that's one thing that I'm grateful for. Uh, just like as a leadership team that you guys do that, like you, you get, you let everybody's voice have a voice, you know, everyone's voice matters. And I think that's so freaking important, man. As these new companies keep coming up out of nowhere and keep getting founded, I feel like the leadership is so important. So Aaron, I'm so grateful you got to uh, spend some time with me today. I wanted people to get to know you, get to know the mission behind mind, the man behind mind and just how we got started. Yeah, man, I'm super grateful to be here, and uh, you know, just just big fan of you and and what you've accomplished in your life. And I think if there's one final piece of advice for you know anybody who's pursuing entrepreneurship, which I think you summarized really well, is I think the biggest part of being a great leader is about leading with curiosity. Um, you know, it's really easy to think that as a leader, you're supposed to just walk around like you know everything. And I think the more questions I ask, the smarter I become. And that's not, there is, there is no wisdom that no, like there's no untold wisdom in that statement. It's the most obvious thing in the world. I ask questions and I get smarter. And yet I think a lot of people are afraid to be a leader and, you know, not know or or need help or want to ask questions. And the only reason I've gotten that far is is because I have. So, you know, to everyone out there if you want to start a company, my biggest piece of advice is surround yourself with smart people. Go ask tons of questions, research, read, study, listen. You should be listening five times more than you're speaking. And with that, man, super grateful to be here.